Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 25, The Line. We're not supposed to watch The Line. The number is not real. It's not the real value of AMC. How many times is the real value of AMC leaked out, right? Oh, wait, I'm sorry, those were just glitches. This this line, this number they put out, it's meant to frustrate you. To get you to quit. Get you to sell your AMC shares. And I ask myself, well, what's the con Is the con to get you to sell your AMC shares, or is it to hold your AMC shares? For all the AMC investors that got in at, you know, two, three bucks, you'll be the bag holder for them. Or is the con to get you to sell your shares at $40? $40 a share, get rid of it, right? A share that could actually be worth $4,000. So when a hedge fund has to buy it back, they're buying it back at $40 instead of $4,000. Could be $40,000. You ever heard the phrase hook, line, and sinker? It's for when you go fishing for suckers and you find one. You're so easy and so enthusiastic that not only do they take the bait, they take the hook, the line, and the sinker. Was I that sucker? In late May, when I bought into AMC, the line is also a chapter from my novel zone. And in that chapter, thousands of people are in line. And they're held there at gunpoint by dozens of people with guns. Now, if that line of thousands acted as one and rebelled all at once, they would have either overwhelmed the guards or they could have run for safety. Now, someone probably would have got shot. But if they had acted as one, the vast majority would have survived. Are we going to act as one and hold during the mother of all short squeezes and drive that price up to 100 k Or are people going to just start selling in their own self-interest and AMC will be lucky to hit 1,000? Because i got to tell you right now, I have my doubts about it even hitting 50. I don't think everything is just the hedge funds manipulating it. I think a lot of people are selling it. Selling it for profit, buying it back, swinging it, day trading it. And it's frustrating. I want to tell you about another line. It's a line at Costco that I was standing in the other day when my wife called me to tell me, you know, ask me if I looked at the price of AMC lately. Because it was at $39 and like 80 cents, which was amazing to us. We were so grateful that it had gotten up that high and so excited. Like 39.80, couldn't believe it. And it went on, you know, it went on to go up to about $48. We're finally in the black and then some. 
But yesterday I was back in that line. I think the same line. Not the same people, but the same register. And I watched as AMC, you know, went down to 40. And we weren't in the black anymore. Not bad. A lot better than 33. But it was gone. We hadn't sold a single share. We were holding. But I thought about it. I thought, what if we had sold everything at 48? And now we could buy it all back at 40. Or just buy our shares. Same number of shares back. Keep the rest as profit. We didn't. We didn't. That's what I call retroactive investing. When you can sit back with all the facts and know everything and redo all your deals. The deals you did do and the deals you didn't do. It's great. It's a great way to invest. Retroactive investing. I think I think I want to launch that business where you can, you know, after you've made all your... Uh, your buys and sells, you know, you can retroactively, you know, fix them. So, you know, I, I really wanted to do this instead. Okay, great. It's changed. Woo! Thank you. That's, that's great service. It doesn't work that way. You don't know. We could have sold everything at 48. And then maybe it rockets to, before we know it, it's at, you know, 50. And we're like, uh... Is it going to go back down, or do we need to buy this back right now at 50? Well, let, let's wait. Let's wait. It'll it'll go back down. It'll go back to 48. We'll just buy it back at 48. We, we learned our lesson. Okay, it's at 52 now. Oh, my God. All right. <sighs> um, what do we do now? Because now it's at 54 and 55. And now, you know, do you panic buy it back? And now you've, instead of having, you know, you know, X, 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 X amount of shares. Now you've got X, X, X amount of shares. <laughs> so we're not here to swing trade. We're not here to day trade. We're holding for that life-changing money. And I think a little bit of perspective is, is probably in order. And I don't say this to try to shame anybody or lecture anybody, or really to tell you something you already know. We're just talking. That's what this podcast is about. We're just talking. And we keep it real. And, you know, we're not here to tow the company line. You know, we're not waving our, you know, little red book in the air. You have a feeling, you know, we talk about it. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about the situation in Afghanistan. You look at what's going on there. Whether you're an Afghani trying to get out. Whether you're an Afghani that's stuck. Whether you're a female there. And now you're going to have life under the Taliban again. Maybe you're going to school. Maybe you had a business. And that's all going to go away. Does holding AMC really seem like that big a deal? Probably not. As bummed out as I was when you think about that, I think we'll be okay. I'm looking forward to September 1st. I know. 
Don't set dates. But I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Maybe things will change. Maybe they won't. If I had to bet, they won't change. These people, they don't care about rules. Rules are for other people, not them. But maybe, we'll see. After September 1st, you know, reevaluate things. Another thing about Afghanistan, when people talk about how high could AMC go, could it go for $100,000 a share? It's supply and demand. That's what we were told, supply and demand. They have to buy the shares back no matter what the price. And for people, it's still hard to understand why somebody would buy a share of AMC for $100,000. But think about this. How much is a first-class international plane ticket, right? I don't, I don't fly international and I don't fly first-class, so I'm, I'm just going to take a guess. I don't know, $4,000? $5,000? Let's just say $20,000. $20,000 for first class luxury ticket international. Well, let's say you were an Afghani and you believed in freedom. You believed in democracy. And you thought the Americans were in your country to help. So you helped. And everybody knew you were helping the Americans. And maybe in some ways financially it worked out for you. Maybe even you got, say, a million dollars in savings from all the opportunities you got working with the Americans in Afghanistan. And then they're going to pull out. And you know what's been happening to the Afghanis that have been working with the Americans once they fall under the Taliban control. A lot of them get killed. So let's say you're at that airport with thousands and thousands of people desperate to get out of that country. And you bump into somebody. Maybe you know your, their connection. So you know they're legit. Right? And they say, hey, I got one seat left. Plane's taken off and it's not coming back. This is it. This is our last trip. And I got one seat and the Taliban's closing in. This could be it, right? And there's that one seat. How much are you going to pay to get on that plane? Are you going to pay a million dollars to get on it? Or are you going to take your chances with the Taliban? Or what if it was your family? What if it was your kid? Maybe you're already out of the country. And you're desperate to get your family out. And there were those seats. How much would you pay to get your family on that plane and get them safely out? See how stock can go for $100,000? If they have to buy it, you have to buy it. You don't have a choice. Why would you buy a plane ticket for you know, a million dollars? Well, there you go. There's a plane ticket that's probably worth a million dollars. So hang in there. I know it's frustrating. I see the stories of people day trading AMC, swinging it, making thousands, buying more shares, and proving their position and letting the hedge funds pay for it. Meanwhile, you sit there and patiently hold and hold and hold. 
It's okay. It's frustrating. We can talk about that here. We don't have to be all gung-ho. You can talk about those frustrations here. I, I'm feeling them too. But, again, you look at the bigger picture, the real world, we'll be okay. We're doing okay. We're the lucky ones. Think about that. And soon enough, soon enough, this may actually happen. And when it does, you'll forget all about the days you were holding and the stock was being manipulated and driven down. You'll just be happy you held and you had those shares. That you were on that plane out. That you had your place in line. You know, there's a great line in a movie. And that line is, I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. It's from an officer and a gentleman. I love that line. And a lot of times, um, you know, if I'm facing a challenge in my life, I think about that scene. For those of you that don't know the movie, uh, it came out in 1982, starred Richard Gere, Deborah Winger, uh, Louis Gossett Jr., and Louis Gossett Jr. won the Academy Award for his role. Forgive me if you know the movie, but if you don't, I'll, I'll lay it out for people. So, Richard Gere, uh, his dad, his mom commits suicide, his dad's a drunk in the Navy. Doesn't want to have anything to do with Richard Gere as a kid. But he raises him anyway, so the, the movie you know, has some flashbacks in the beginning, and then you see Richard Gere, and he's going off to be, he, he's going to join the Navy. He wants to be an officer and fly jets. But he's a hustler. You know, he learned that from his dad. So when he gets there, he's, you know, doing cons. And this is going to be another one of his cons. He's going to con the Navy, teaching him how to be a pilot. And then he can, you know, go work for United Airlines and get paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he never had to, you know, pay for a day of flight school, right? Okay. And one of the cons uh, Richard Gere has is, um, you know, they have inspections and they got to make sure their shoes are all polished, shined and all their brass and their buckles and stuff is all polished and um, they don't have a lot of time. Well, Richard Gere gets one of the local Navy guys to do this stuff for him. And when one of his classmates needs something, you know, he'll sell it to him. You know, yeah, your shoes aren't, don't look good here. I'll, I'll sell you, you know, a pair of polished shoes or a belt buckle, right? And he gets caught doing this by Louis Gossett Jr. His, his drill instructor, Louis Gossett Jr. is the drill instructor, the DI. And um, he wants Richard Gere to quit. And Richard Gere won't quit. He says, you can kick me out, but I'm not quitting. And Louis Gossett Jr. is like, all right, get your fatigues on. By the end of this weekend, you'll quit. And there's a bunch of scenes where he's just pushing him, pushing him to extremes, just trying to do anything to get this guy to quit. And Richard Gere won't quit. Finally, at the end, Louis Gossett Jr. is like, that's it, all right, fine. You're out. I'm kicking you out. And Richard Gere, exhausted, mentally, physically, you know, lets out this primal scream. You know, don't you do it. Don't you do it. 
And then he breaks down and he says, I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. For me and AMC, you know I got nothing else. Tried writing, tried crazy little inventions, tried podcasting, nothing works. You know, if anything, get a job, save your money, um, and that's it. Have fun, you know, and you can do okay with that. Takes a long time. But you can do okay with that. You're not going to be driving a Porsche. You're not going to join the country club. If you're lucky, you can get your kid to college. But I was always looking to get forward. To have those days. To have my Lambo. That was my dream growing up. From high school. Let's get a Lamborghini. And I think, you know, in life, happiness is a lot of, you know, what do you want and what do you have? Now, look, forget the Lamborghini. I think I wanted, uh, you know, wanted to prove like, hey, you know, I have good ideas. I'm a smart guy. It's kind of like, what's his name? Fredo in The Godfather. I'm smart. He's upset that Michael Corleone, his, his younger brother, was passed, passed him over. He's like, I'm smart. I got ideas. And he was passed over. And you feel that way. Like, hey, you know, I can do this. I can, I can excel. And uh, time after time, it just doesn't work out. And you think, you know, maybe there's this one gambit, this one AMC gambit. And if this works out, then hey, you know, you're just as successful as anybody else, financially at least. But if this doesn't work out, I don't know, you know. If we still have our money intact at that point, you just say, look, get another job that, you know, pays on a regular basis. You're not dependent on tips. And just save as much money as you can. Pay down the credit card debt. Get ready for the kids going to college. And do the best you can. Look, I'm lucky. I've got my Disney 401k. I've got a Disney pension. You know. You know, we'll be fine. But if you wanted that life-changing money, if you wanted that moment in the sun, you know, how many times has that happened? And for me, I'm, I'm kind of done. Like I said, I've, I've spent my whole life trying to get ahead. And um, it had never worked out. And I, I look back and I say, all that work, all that writing, all the years in Hollywood trying to be a screenwriter, all the little inventions recently, I would have been better off just doing nothing. Been better off never trying. And who knows, after this AMC gambit, maybe you'd say you would have been better off never buying one share of AMC. But I hope that's not the case. 
I hope that's not the case for me. I hope that's not the case for you. I hope this pays off for us and, and uh, a big time. I think that's one of the things that I remember when this first started. And I got in before, you know, my basically investment doubled within a few days of getting involved. And I felt smart. I'm so proud of myself. You think you know something that other people don't. You get cocky. I remember trying to convince people to invest. And I remember telling people, like, look, I know it's $60 right now, but my gosh. That could be the deal of a lifetime tomorrow when this thing goes to the moon. Better get on the rocket ship. And if those people had ignored me and said, I'm not buying it at $60, you're crazy. AMC is not worth $60. And if they had ignored me and um, just waited it out, they could have bought AMC at 30 29 Got twice as much. I'm glad they didn't listen to me and, and buy at 60 But I also wanted them to look back and say, wow, he was right. You could have bought this at 60 and it would have been a bargain. I'm seeing people sell it for $50,000 a share. And I could have bought it at 60 Damn. Who knows if that moment will happen. But here we are. So we had some fun when it ran up. And I hope I hope we have some more fun real soon here. Like I said, some days you win. Some days you lose. Some days it's basically a tie. And uh, we lost a little bit. Went back. But you know what? We're up from where we were. And all things considered, we're in a good spot. Nothing to complain about. There's another line. It's called hold the line. Hold that line. And it's when there's a group of people and they stand together. And they're there for each other. And I hope the apes are there for each other. And we do hold. And I'll hold for you. And I hope you hold for me. During the mother of all short squeezes. And maybe that will be the next episode of the AMC Stock Story.